the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Blue Darter Sports Central with your host, Roger Franklin Williams. Stay tuned for the latest updates on Blue Darter Sports, along with interviews with student-athletes, coaches, and more. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Welcome to Blue Darter Sports Central with Roger Franklin Williams. It's great to be with you today. We'll be coming to you live from Porky's Original Barbecue. We're not on the front porch today because it's actually raining a little bit here in Apopka, but we're inside. We're cozy and warm, and invite you to come on up and join us uh, for the show and then, of course, for lunch afterwards. Um, we uh, got a lot of uh, new news that we want to share with you, and that literally hot off the presses that relate to Apopka High School, the community of Apopka, and we've got John Peary joining us once again today, which is great because he's got a he's going to have, have a wealth of information for he's us. He's got the scoop. Joe Ferraro, of course, is, as you just heard, is here, and it's a great day to be in Apopka Blue Darter. It's a great day at Porky's. I want to. Uh, and first of all, uh, John, we um, Apopka has a – oh, yeah, one other thing, too. We look forward to being joined by Coach Darlington later in our program as well. So, um, John, you, Apopka has a new head football coach. Can you, uh, you know, who, tell us about who he is and uh, tell us a little bit about him? Well, he's, he's very familiar to Apopka fans and, and players, even some that are still on the team. Um, uh, Jeff Rolson, the former uh, defensive coordinator for quite a while here at Apopka, uh, up until he's been out two years, uh, and but he's back now as, as head coach uh, for the Blue Darters, and he will, you know, he will be able to step right in, and, and he's very familiar with obviously the school, the community, uh, the people involved, uh, the folks who are still there, and, and I'm talking about mainly the the school officials. You know, uh, he, he Lyle Hines, he doesn't know as a principal, but he does know him as an assistant principal. So. Um, and, of course, he knows Russell Wombles as an athletic director. Uh, when I was able to get with Jeff late yesterday afternoon after he had uh, been named head coach, um, I you know, was able to, to talk right away with him, and then we had a good conversation for just a few minutes uh, just for the because of our deadlines and our print deadlines. We uh, were able to get a little something in this week. I'll have a, a lot more next week. We'll talk with Jeff more extensively and get to, Get some more thoughts from him, uh, but uh, next week, uh, Popka Chief. But um, you know, it's it's an it's an easy transition, uh, it, much like would have been if James Delgado had had uh, applied and, and been named head coach. You know, there, there's some familiarity there, and and uh, you know, Jeff will do a good job. He's he's already been a head coach, which is I think a very good positive. Uh, sometimes. Assistants uh, are very good coordinators or assistant coaches, and for some reason it just doesn't translate to being the the, the main man, so to speak. And so, uh, but Jeff's just been there. He was a head coach for four years at Osceola High School. Uh, finished second one year, uh, lost to uh, St. Thomas Aquinas in a 7A final one year. Uh, losing to St. Thomas Aquinas, especially that year, they were outstanding. Um, and you know, it's a private school and. and somehow magically these guys who who can play ball all show up uh, each year down there so uh for a public school to to make it to the finals in 7a and lose to st thomas aquinas is is no shame at all so um but uh you know the uh jeff was then uh, was also a head coach uh for two years at panama city rutherford and before he came back to apopka his son jake uh was um was was entering high school at that point, and Jeff wanted to get him into a quality program where he might have a chance to, uh, you know, 
played for a, a program that had a chance to, to win a state title, and lo and behold, they won two while Jeff was on the team. So, uh, you know, there was a, and the, the second one, Jake really was able to, to contribute as a, as a defensive line starter. And so, uh, you know, just, just a, a all-around great guy Jeff Rolson is, and, and uh, he'll be able to just slip right in, and, and they'll never miss a beat uh, once Jeff gets on board uh, in early January. Friends, you're glad you're, glad you're joining us on Blue Daughter Sports Central with Roger Franklin Williams. We are actually inside at Porky's. You can see our banners outside. Joe Ferraro's here. We're speaking with John Perry. There's a lot of news, and we're going to share it with you here at the top of the program, not just about the new Apopka Blue Daughter head coach, who you've just heard from John Perry, uh, is going to be Coach Jeff Wilson, actually former longtime Apopka assistant coach and defensive coordinator. Of course, you can find out more in this week's edition of the Apopka Chief and Planner. We look forward to being joined by Coach Darlington later in our show as well. And now, John, I want to get back to you. Know, one more question about Coach Rolls, and then you've got some other breaking news for us that relates to Popka Blue Rider football, a new district we're going to be in. But um, can you talk about the process? You know, how, you know, how did Russell and Mr. Hines, uh, Athletic Director Russell Wombles, and Mr. Hines go about, you know, uh, sifting through, I'm sure, the avalanche of applications they got and um, arriving at Coach Rolson. Well, I mean, I don't know a lot of details any more than you do, but I do know that there were quite a few. I mean, as you can imagine, a job like Apopka, it's, it's very attractive. And there were coaches from out of state, uh, obviously a lot of them from Florida. Some of them, uh, you know, may have not been any more qualified than me to, to be, or, you know, maybe maybe not even as qualified to me uh, to be head coach here. Um, and, and I'm eminently not qualified. So um, Probably I mean, most that, of them, actually. Yeah, you know, I would have had a shot. I think you would be probably at the top. That was, the top th- and that was top. not to be a compliment. <laughs> um, so, anyway, bottom line is, is there were a bunch of them. Uh, they interviewed what he Russell told me was a handful. How many that is? I'm assuming it's fewer than ten. It makes sense, and you know, five. five I heard a rumor it was five. But yeah, and that's that's uh, that's probably a good guess. Um, and so, you know, obviously Jeff stood out among those. Uh, uh, obviously, and, and I, I'm saying obviously to me. Uh, a time spent with Jeff doesn't need to be as long as is with somebody you don't know. Uh, you need to get to know them a little better and, and try to try to understand them where they're coming from. With Jeff, there's some things that are already known, so you don't have to, you can dispense with some pleasantries and then, and then some other things that you know you might speak with about somebody you don't know. So, but uh, you know. The, the situation was earlier in the week, and I've got a story on the sports page reflecting this, and that because of the timing and our deadlines and, and print deadlines, I wasn't able to change the sports story, the story on the sports page, but he was just hoping to have the, the, the new coach name by next week sometime before they broke for Christmas and New Year's. So, um, you know, and, and lo and behold, then on Thursday, uh, it, it's able to um, – He's able to, to get it done this week. And so, you know, there's still one more week of school left. And uh, that'll give Jeff, uh, I guess, a chance to come over and, and look and and get reacquainted with things and reacquainted with folks. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm assuming he'll he'll be, you know, there'll be a transition of sorts with uh, between uh, he and, and Rick, and, and we'll just see how that goes. But uh, I know the uh, that Jeff will be able to, you know, I'm assuming he's going to be able to start right in early January when school picks up because he's been still been an OCPS employee, so there's they don't have to do any of the, the necessary background check, paperwork, you know, all this other stuff that, that you have to do these days especially. Excuse me. So, anyway, bottom line is that, that uh, Jeff will be able to hit the ground running and, and – uh, you know, as to how many people may have sent in a resume, I don't know. I would, I would expect it could have hit triple figures, but that's just me. Uh, don't, don't know for sure, uh, and and uh, I do know that. Uh, I'm sure, as with a lot of resume, uh, when when you've got job openings like this, that they're they're going to be able to. Uh, that you've got a lot of them who are not. Um, that you dismiss and don't even you don't even talk to these people. You send them a, a rejection email, so to speak, and, and you know pleasant, but no thanks, thanks, but no thanks, kind of thing. And and then you've got a handful you look at more thoroughly, and then I'm, I'm assuming out of that you've got uh, a few who you want to sit down with and talk. 
Friends, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Blue Darter Sports Central with Roger Franklin-Williams. We're at Porky's Live, of course, and we're not on the front porch today, though, with a little bit of rain out there, so we're inside, but it's still a very welcoming atmosphere, and we invite you to come on up and join us and get your weekend started off just right with lunch at Porky's on Friday afternoon. If you're, yeah, we're going to continue to repeat. We have the new news of the new Apopka head football coach. It's Coach Jeff Wilson, who, of course, was a longtime Apopka assistant uh, working with Coach Darlington. Also, He's also been a head coach as well, including a successful head coach, including at uh, Kissimmee Osceola. And, um, John, yeah, I just have a couple of you know, comments as I digest this very you know, quickly. I just found out on the way over to the, to the show, actually. And... Two things stand out, or several, two or three things. First of all, I think it's uh, very. I'm comforted by the fact that you know Coach Rolson has been a head coach before, as you said, and a successful head coach. I think that, you know, um, and of course, many, 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 many great coaches. All great coaches at one time were assistant coaches, right. and all great coaches got their first head job. Um, but as, as as you talked about, that's. Um, it's kind of a low, per, you know, low, low percentage for uh, guys who are getting their first head job who turn out to be great coaches. So at least we know that Coach Rolson has a track record of success as a head coach. So I think, I think that's comforting. Secondly, having been at Apopka, coached at Apopka High School for quite a while, he he knows the community. He he he, he gets what a popka is all about. He gets what a popka football is all about. Once again, you could have an outstanding coach with a great track record and all this coming from somewhere else, and doesn't this doesn't mean they're going to you know fit in, if you will, or or, or adapt, or, or even like the community, <laughs> or, or the popka community. Right. And so I think that was always a, kind of a some heartburn that I was I was having, you know, like, you know, a guy can come in from out the outside and have the, the, the best winning record or the best resume you could think of and doesn't mean he's going to fit in in a pocket. So. He could be an Urban Meyer. <laughs> I'd take Urban Meyer. I'd go say. Hey, Urban Meyer won two state cha- uh, national championships. I was a little John's face. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting word. That's for sure. But, but Roger, you're 100% right. Sometimes the fit is what it's all about. Yes. And, and uh, you know, things sometimes just don't work. And, and no matter the the, the, uh, the qualifications, could be stellar, could be outstanding, and, and they just don't work in a certain place, whereas they might work elsewhere. And, uh, you know, every place is unique, but a pop is definitely different. Uh, and, and I think you need, you, you need some, some time here before you lead a program or before you – uh, do this or do that or, or whatever, but uh, there's there's always an adjustment period no matter what. But um, you know it's it's uh, it is comforting to know that Jeff understands this community and knows exactly what it's about and uh, has has spent plenty of time in the Apopka community and and knows the the, the culture and, and the culture of the school and 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 the expectations on the field and off the field that that you know he's he's been a part of that setting those expectations fulfilling those expectations so uh jeff will will be able to hit the ground running and and know exactly which way to to keep this this program going well john we got about two minutes before we take our first break i want to when we come back from the break i want to continue to get your insights about new apopka head coach coach jeff rolson but before we go to the break, I want to remind everybody, too, we're expecting and looking forward to having Coach Darlington join us later in the show as well. But um, there's some brand-new news concerning major news about the changes in the district alignment, and they're going to affect Apopka. We're going to be in a brand-new, completely different district. Can you share that with us, please? And that just came out about an hour ago, right? Yeah. Earlier this morning, uh, the Florida High School Athletic Association released the uh, – the d- new district alignments for football only for the next two seasons for 2019-2020, and Apopka is now in uh, well, still the number's still the same, 8A District 4, but there are now six teams in the in the district, uh, so that means five district games. And you know, for several years, it's been three, four teams with three district games, and finding seven other games for Apopka hasn't always been easy. So now uh, Jeff Rolson will only have to fi- uh, find five games. Uh, but the the new team, in addition to Apopka, the teams are the familiar West Orange and Evans. Uh, West Orange, Evans, and Apopka are the, the the three who have been there. 
Wakaiva has dropped to 7A, so they're not in the district anymore. But the other three teams now are Ocoee, which obviously has grown, Lake Brantley, and Lake Mary. So uh, two, two you know, Ocoee and Apopka played the last couple of years and played several times since this second iteration of Ocoee High School has come on uh, probably, uh, what, uh, uh, 15, close to 15 years ago now. Wow. Um, but anyway, uh, West Orange, Evans, Okoe, Lake Brantley, Lake Mary, and Apopka. Uh, you know, Apopka's played uh, Lake Brantley and Lake Mary, especially Lake Brantley through the years. It's been a while since they've played. They should be playing. That's a whole other story. But uh, now they, they must play. So uh, it'll be it'll be good to, to have those, uh, you know. They, they've evened up the district numbers, let's put it that way. Uh, and, and there's some other, I mean, like uh, District 3 now is Haggerty, Oviedo, Orlando University, Winter Park, Colonial, and Timber Creek. So they've got some, uh, you know, they've split up that Seminole district. Uh, and and the, the Edgewater, excuse me, the Wakiva district, 7A3, is now Wakiva, Edgewater, South Lake, and Ocala Forest. So there's four teams, just four teams there. Um, you know, standing out. I mean, Edgewater and, and Wakiva stand out in that in that seven A three district. So, um, but uh, you know, we look forward. To, we'll catch up with uh, on the when we get back from the break. Friends, you're listening to Roger Franklin Williams. We're coming to you from Porky's Original Barbecue. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Welcome back to Porky's Original Barbecue. I'm Roger Franklin Williams. It's great to be with you. We're joined, we're in on the inside today. It's a little wet outside, but uh, it's nice and cozy inside, and pe- people are already getting their weekend started off just right here at Porky's. Pleased to be Joe Ferraro, of course, is joining us. Pleased to be joined by John Perry. And Coach Darlington is joining us as well. So, um, you know, Coach, I'd like to just you know, obviously ask you the most obvious question. Uh, what do you think about uh, you know, the new coach, Coach Jeff Rolson? Of course, you and uh, he uh, coached together for a long time, including here Jeff at Apopka. Will do a good job, no doubt. And, um, John, and you share any more thoughts about the new district before we, uh, you know, I just, I mean, it's it's nice. I'm glad Lake Brantley and Lake Mary are back in the in the district um, for a popka. Uh, you know, it's it is interesting that Wakiva is no longer a district game. I'm assuming they'll continue to play. It's too good of a gate for both teams, both schools, um, and it's you know they they need to play. Of course, Popka and Brantley and a couple other teams around here have needed to play, and it just didn't work out. So. Um, you know, looking at the district um, from an Apopka standpoint, you know, West Orange is going to be West Orange. Uh, but but Wakiva moving out is, is a huge deal, I think, uh, from a competitive standpoint. Uh, you know, for, for, for frankly, for Wakiva, uh, going into 7A, uh, you know, uh, to, to face, have to face teams like Lakeland and St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, year in and year out, uh, if you make it that far in the playoffs, is is not an easy thing. But uh, what, what, what a shame! <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's always good teams, no matter where you go, though, no matter who you're playing. So, uh, I would think that uh, uh, for a Popka, it's it makes for an easier scheduling situation. You've got five district games now instead of just three, so you only have to go get five games. Uh, we'll see how all that works and see see what. Uh, Jeff Rolson comes up with for the other five games. Uh, you know, Coe, they've played Okoe. They've played three of those five teams uh, for the last couple of years with Okoe just willing to play a popka, trying to build the program over there. And, and then Evans and West Orange have been district games. So, uh, you know, there's there's five teams, and, and we'll see. I don't know. Uh, see how it goes with uh, the scheduling and, and the different, you know, with with Jeff being head coach instead of Rick being head coach. Now we'll, uh, we'll you know, there'll be a difference there, I'm sure. But uh, but you know, it's a um, it's it's going to be an interesting thing, and, and we'll have 
have a little more district action going on. Uh, although with the new the new playoff system now, every of course every game counts. Well. Um yeah, personally, from a, as we said off the air, personally from a fan's perspective, I like it. It's great to have Lake Brantley back on the schedule, too. Roger, are you not going to ask me about the district? Yeah, I would, I would, yeah when I finished up my I'm comment, gonna, I was going to ask you. to take this thing over. I was going <laughs> to ask you. But I, first of all, I wanted to say it's great to have, have Lake Brantley back on, whether they whether they want to be or not. But, yes, Coach, what, what do you think about the new district? Well, I think it hurts. I think it hurts a pop when I'm just looking at it. Because when you look at it, Evans wasn't very good. Akoe didn't make the playoffs, right? John, help me out here. Did Akoe uh, make the playoffs? This no. past year, n- no. no I don't Brantley, no. Did Brantley pay attention, John? No, no, they did not. Four, four okay. and six, no. Okay, so you're you're adding some teams on there that are not getting any playoff points. Well, but but I Hold don't on, know I that want to make my point. Okay, I don't know they're doing that anymore. Is what I'm but saying. But I want to make my point. Then you can refute my point after I make it. Yes, sir. But I didn't get to make it yet. Make it. Okay. So then Lake Mary was in the playoffs, but those other five games that you're going to get, you better get some good people like Wakiva and other teams on there that we played in the past, because. It seems, and again, John's going to say how it may change, and it may, but from what I've felt the last two years was the districts don't hardly matter anymore because last year we went third in the district and still were a four seed, a five seed. This year we were district runner-up, we were a five seed. So really the only thing a district championship does is it gets you one of those top four seeds. Your points are still based on your strength of schedule. So I was talking to Rodney Wells a couple weeks ago, and he was saying how – uh, you know, certain teams were going to be added into our uh, – it actually, it was Bob Head. He said how uh, Windermere and Ocoee were going to come into our district. And your first thought was, well, you know, th- those are games you hope you could win. But then Bob said, well, that kills you for playoff points. And so it does. So now the state's forcing a popkin to play three teams that didn't make the playoffs. So that's going to kind of hurt them in the playoff standings unless things are changed, as John will explain. Yeah, I mean, John, it, it, time for rebuttal now for well, John Well, it's not rebuttal. It's just uh, additional stuff. In the previous two years, this new classific- new system points thing for playoffs for football in Florida, the teams that made the playoffs in 2015 and 2016, if you scheduled a playoff team, you got three additional bonus points. Uh, and, you know, this past year, Popka had nine. Uh, of those their 10 opponents. So Evans was the only team that didn't make the playoffs in 2015 or 2016. So, you know, that's 27 points you're starting off with right there, uh, which is, is you know, a pretty significant number. Uh, there were no other 8A teams that had that many playoff uh, system, bonus system points this year. Um, so bottom line is uh, there's some there's some validity to it. You've got to be able to, you hope that Brantley and, and Lake Mary and even Okoe will will improve to the point where you know it doesn't. They're not going three and seven or even four and six. They you know get up to at least five and five or, or higher. Um, and, and to your point, the you know if you schedule Wakiva and if they can schedule Dr. Phillips again, of course DP didn't help this year at five and five, although they you know made a nice run in the playoffs. But uh, so normally DP is going to help you. Uh, Wakaiva is going to continue to be decent, good, uh, very good. Um, just, they're going to be like a pop. It's going to be, you know, the, the down years are going to be maybe seven and three kind of thing. Uh, so you're going to get some good bonus points there. If well, you're going to get good points, higher points if you beat them, and you know fewer points if you lose to them, but still more than if you were to lose to a two and eight or to beat a two and eighteen, you get the same number of points. So anyway, bottom line is. Yeah, there's some validity to that, and I don't know if they do the bonus point stuff again, and I haven't seen anything that they're going to. But if they do that, then then you're 100% correct. That will that will not help a pop. Although, uh, you know, there was a two-year deal before, so we'll we'll see how it works out. I'm um, not not real sure how how that's going to go, but uh, I, I would think that uh, you would want your you want your opponents to go. You want everybody to go nine and one, other than when they play you, because you want to be ten and zero. But uh, you know, the the bottom line is you want your opponents to have better records. 
Well, I think those other teams in the district are going to start scheduling. They're going to see the district, and they're going to schedule maybe down, and maybe they won't get points. But when this thing came, first came out two or three years ago, my thought was, man, I feel bad for the small schools, the 1As and the 4s, because they got to make their entire schedule. they got to pick 10 games. And I'm thinking, thank goodness we have a district. Now I feel the opposite. I feel like the district doesn't matter. It may be better off for playoffs for a team like Apopka if you just say, look, schedule who you want. And we could go out and get, not, you know, 10 really good games. And, you know, we may not win them all, but it's going to help us in the playoffs. You know, we went in the playoffs, we were 7-3. Last year we were 7-3. And, uh, and, and, and we're sec- this year we were second in the region in playoff points behind Wakaiva. So, again, that's because of the schedule we played. We played Mandarin. We played Lakeland. We played some really good teams that the state didn't assign us to. So when the state starts assigning games, I think more often than not that hurts playoff points. So I might be along the mindset now of get rid of the districts altogether. Let us make our own dang schedule. Thanks for sharing your, your, your insightful comments. <laughs> it, it, Coach, I, you know, it kind of, as we were thinking about the show today as I was, you started kind of listing and chronologically all the <laughs> wonderful moments and you know all, all the it seems like you know your career here at Apopka had had ver- had different eras if you will um and, and even all three state championship teams were very distinct and unique <laughs> in just in in those seasons and the makeup of those teams and you know the, their path to winning a state championship but i would like to and we talked about a little bit this more so off the year last last time on wednesday but can you talk about when you first came to Apopka, 1999, we were taking over two and eight team uh, after we'd been winning big for, you know, for years uh, before that. Um, what, what were conditions like? What was the state of the program like? And, and, and it, what was did, pretty, it was pretty bad, and, and, and Apopka hadn't been winning. They, Apopka was like 500. Well, we were five, 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 four, and, and two and eight. Right. It comes up to 500. That was Jim Kramer's record. And but before, before that, that we have been winning big. Coach, well, you say big. There was a stretch from 92 to 94 where Chip five playoff games, and that was, you know, they went two rounds, three rounds, two rounds in the playoffs. They had a great stretch there. Before that, Apopka had a ton of regular season success and not much playoff success. I don't think they had a playoff win before 1992. So great stretch, three years, comes back on a mediocre stretch, then I took it over. So to answer your question, it was in bad shape. It was in disarray, and uh, I didn't like it. <laughs> if it wasn't for Dave Brown, I might have given the job back about every other day. You know, so I survived the first year, went six and four. Second year, we were nine and three. And the thing about those years I remember was we started off five and oh, nine, nine, and then lost four in a row. And then we started off uh, eight and oh in, nine, in 2000 and lost three of our last four. <laughs> so we were not finishing well. And finally, we put it together in 2001. And with those kids that were ninth graders when I took the job, spring of 99, we won a state championship. You know, that's the Brandon Merriweather, Steve Baylark, that group, that group. So, you know, we got it turned around pretty quick, and that was good. But first coming into it, there was a lot to be done, a lot of cleaning up to do. And so, you know, it was great that I had principal and AD. They were awesome men. And, you know, from the beginning, it seems like the town has always supported Apopka. You know, that's the thing that was so neat about you could brag about in Central Florida was Apopka's home side's always going to be full. Doesn't matter who you're playing, that side's going to be packed out and people are going to go support it. And from what I've seen in the last couple weeks since I resigned is uh, people have only had positive things to say about the job that we did there. And and so, you know, that's that's a good feeling to know that hopefully we left it in, in, in really good shape for the next coach. And got about two minutes before the next break. John, uh, could you briefly just maybe share some of your insights of when Coach first got here and your initial impressions and you know, maybe some of the things that you noticed that he was doing to, you know, to, to build a, a winning championship program? Well, you know, it's it certainly I don't know a lot of the details like you would, obviously, but uh, I do know that, uh, you know, two and eight was, was not going to cut it at Apopka and then not, it shouldn't cut it anywhere, frankly. And I'm not just talking about the, the the actual numbers there, but but just the performance of the team. Uh, there were some bodies on that team, those teams, and it just didn't work out. And uh, 
you know, I don't know, maybe we talked about earlier about a fit, the right fit for the community. And, and you know, because Jim Cramer's had a, a fine uh, career up in North Georgia coaching some uh, uh, small school teams up that way and, and done very well, actually. I don't know where he is right now. but uh, yeah, He's in know. Lee County with Dean Fabrizio. Oh, is he? For real? I know they okay. played for Steve. Do you know if they won? I do not know. They won last year. Right, and see, I didn't even realize he was at Lee County, and yeah. I know Lee's the one that uh, that beat DP like thirty-five yeah. to three or something. And Dean Fabrizio is the head coach. He used to be an assistant at a pop right. under Kramer. Right. And now Kramer's an assistant under him. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that's funny how those things work. But uh, you know, uh, bottom line is, you know, there there were some. When, when Rick first came in, obviously there were some changes that need to be made, uh, and, and I was I was kind of watching from more from afar at that point. And uh, you know, there again, you've got to trust the folks who make the decisions. Uh, in, in this case, I know Rick uh, had come from just come from Eustis and actually had a four and six record that last year. At Eustis, uh, only only losing record had so far. That's, that's, why, that's why we have John here to, to point out some of those details. Well, I got to keep people that's humble. True. That, that <laughs> killed me. We started all sophomores, and that was the only losing season I've had in my life as a player, coach, little league, checkers, anything. And I wanted to jump off a tall building, but there were no tall buildings in Eustis at the time. So, yeah. and so then, you think I got the Apopka job after that. That's just yeah. crazy. Well, and, and even the guy interviewing you fell asleep during he the did. interview. Phil fell asleep. John might have called me a loser in his first column. I didn't. I did not. I did not do that. <laughs> we'll pick uh, up. We'll no hear idea. more about about that when we come second back column from our next break, guys. You're listening to friends. You're listening to Roger Frank and Williams. are coming to you live from Porky's. Please stay with us. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Friends, welcome back. This is Roger Franklin Williams, joined by Joe Ferraro, John Perry, the pocket chief and planner, and Coach Rick Darlington. And um, before we go back to the guys, I want to let you know that our program and all the programs you hear on 1520 WBCW, FM 105.5 The Answer, and AM 660 The Answer are supported by Florida Door Solutions. If you have garage door problems, Florida Door Solutions has your solution. You can find them at FLADoor.com or just give them a call at 866-FLA-DOOR. That's 866-FLA-DOOR. And be sure to tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. Now, Coach, you were, you were kind of talking to John a little bit about offense, you know, uh, during the break, overheard. And um, it's one thing I've always been personally curious about is that, you know, in your playing career, you were an offensive lineman at Lakeland, Lakeland High School. And a very bad one of that. <laughs> actually, from what I've heard, not not that bad, actually. But, you yeah. heard, you, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> it, it wasn't Bill Castle. Yeah, well, one, one of your, was, one of your teammates, no, actually. But, um, they, but, uh, they lie. I appreciate your humility. But um, and then you begin your career as a defensive coordinator, and but really what uh, I think you well we put your most known now even on a national level is explosive offense. And one thing before I get to the question, my observation over the years and you know is that usually when an offensive lineman becomes an offensive coordinator, they just love to pound the ball between the guards. I mean that and play that old school power eye, you know, straight ahead style of football. And your offense is completely different. I mean you're an innovator, you know, um, you know all those kinds of things. But anyway, how, can you just talk about how, how you, you know, your, your evolution from offensive lineman to defensive coordinator to to offensive genius, frankly? Well, I think about ninety percent of what you just said, Roger, was probably wrong. Uh, okay, <laughs> good. That's why you're here to, to set, set the record straight. 
I think instead of being an innovator, I'm more the one that goes back in time and finds offenses that no one runs anymore and tries to revive those in the hopes that but, no one else will run them. But, but you do up, update them and I think add wrinkles and, and add well, your own personal you know, twist to, to But it. we certainly do like to pound the ball. John will tell you that. We're not we're not uh, too pass happy. Unless my son's playing quarterback, then we throw it around because that's what dads do. Daddy ball. Daddy ball. And so um, – <laughs> But, you know, offensively, you know, there's only so many things you can do in offense as far as offensive line play. There's probably six or seven, you know, blocking schemes really for all the offenses put together. So we run about four of them and try to run them from whatever formations we feel the kids can best, uh, you know, we can use whatever skills they have to move the football. You know, I don't know if we're explosive. When you were talking about explosive, I was thinking more like a large hammer hitting something down into the ground, which is like almost the opposite of explosive. You know, we kind of wanted to bludgeon our opponents into submission. So, but hopefully it's effective, if not explosive. The, 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 I, I think from Roger's standpoint, I, you know, the, the word explosive, you know, when, when you've got guys who are, are running, you know, Robert Thomas leading the, the state in, in, in rushing and that kind of Jeff, stuff. Jeverick Blocker. Yeah, Jeverick Blocker and, and um, you know, all yeah, these guys. That, there's some big play potential, let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's certainly not through the air, uh, although there, there's well, been a few. I, well, I would add, I, I don't think Jock Sutherland was throwing deep balls to his blocking back, was he? Ah. The thing about what John was just saying when he mentioned those three kids and made me think about, if you look at any of those three guys, from Je- from Blocker to Thomas to Massey to more guys that we've had, you know, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if they would have thrived as a running back in a conventional offense. Oh, I agree to 100%. You know, so, I mean, you know, whether they were the wing back, the tail back, whatever, I, I, I think that we've tried to get them the ball in a way that defenses don't see. I think that's maybe the common thread in the whole thing is trying to be somewhat different to be effective with players that are not conventional, you know, Division One college-type backs. Because you don't have those all the time, you know. We did with Tom Smith. You know, we did with Corey until he got hurt. You know, but, uh, again, again, Corey will probably be a receiver in college. So... Anyway, I just have never really liked being what everyone else is because I think it's easier to defend it if you see the same thing every week. And also, it's just not very interesting to study. And, again, here's the thing. Let's just say I was a spread coach. There's literally probably, just in Division One alone, 110 spread schools I could go study. Literally. Well, if, let's just say I want to run the flex bone. Well, where do you go? You can't go to Georgia Tech anymore. So you can go to Army and Navy Air Force. That's it, period. Kennesaw State and D2. So, like, the, I think the, um, the the library shrinks when you run an unusual offense. Where do you go to study the single way? <laughs> Back in time. So, it's like, I think it shrinks the library, but it makes it fun to study it and research it and kind of be known for doing something different. But, again, I'd rather be known for winning than having a certain type of offense or defense. So, hopefully the offense we run will help us to win. And uh, no, and then I would like to – I'll just one, make one comment off of that, though. But, um, you know, I do th- – the 2012 offense specifically, you know, combined the single wing you know, along with spread formations and even a little bit of a power eye. And I certainly think that's innovative. Well, that, that year was strange because it's like we had 2010 and 11. We had been really good in the regular season, but we lost in the first round of playoffs. And I knew I had Zach coming. You know, he was a sophomore that year, and his skill set really didn't fit this traditional single wing. And so that spring, I decided, you know what, we're going to open this thing up. We're going to do some different stuff. And I remember that spring, we ran flex bone, we ran eye, we ran gun. We did not run any single wing. In the spring game against, uh, or whether it was a spring game or fall classic, we played Seabreeze. It was a spring game. We played Seabreeze. And uh, I remember we lined up in an unbalanced eye formation set for short yardage. And so we went into the season, and we played Dr. Phillips game one. John will remember this. And at one point it was 35-3, to three and we were not winning. We were getting beat slap half the day. They were number one in the state. And Zach, uh, you know, he was throwing up and this and that. And I remember after that game we said, look, we're trying to do too much. We can't really do it. What are we good at? And, and the staff thought Zach and the shotgun was our best bet to win. So that week we put all the shotgun stuff on the front burner, put the other stuff in the back. Had not rep single wing yet. 
and we uh, and we went out there against Brantley, and we moved the ball right down the field, and then Zach got his ankle sprained. We thought broken at the time, and all that went away because Chandler is the backup quarterback, and he wasn't really capable of doing those things. But what's funny is that Wednesday it rained at practice, so we had to go in the gym. And so just for some reason, I said, you know what, we need to put our single wing package back in. And so on Wednesday in the gym, we put our five plays in from the single wing that our freshman run, and we just repped it with some guys. And when Zach went down, we tried to do some stuff with Chandler, and it didn't work. And so the second half, we said, we're just going to go single wing. And we went single wing. I think the score was like 13-9 to nine or something. And we beat Brantley, who was really good, running straight single wing. And, uh, man, that was just something. So glad we put it in. So when Zach was out for a few weeks, we just were straight single wing. And uh, when, you know, Isom played back there. Blocker played. Chandler. And then when Zach came back, we kept running the spread stuff. And we go single wing, we just take him out. And so that's what we did. We were about 25% single wing, 75% spread, even through the playoffs, even to the final game. And that's how we won. So you no know, matter what your system is, and that's why I was telling you I want to build something that's kind of a combination of everything I've ever done, but make it unique because you don't know your skill every year. What if what if I've got a great quarterback? What if I've got a great receiver? What if I have a Division One tailback? You want to be able to feature your players without having to change your whole system. And so that's kind of the goal always with offense is to find out what you got and to move the ball effectively in a way that makes defenses hard to prepare them for, to prepare for you. I, I think I thought of a better word to admit that innovative was wrong, but bo- not boring. A lot of these offensive linemen, uh, you know, who, who become offensive coordinators, you know, are, are boring, in, in my opinion. But then you're certainly not boring, your offenses. Um You've got a couple minutes before the break. I just got kind of an, you know, an individual question. Speaking of Brantley, and of course everybody knows how much I love it when we beat Lake Brantley in anything, but um, a memorable game that I have personally is 2007. They had a very talented veteran team. We were playing them over there. We had you know, some talented players, but our players were young, a lot of them. And uh, you know we we beat them in a very very hard fought close game and if I remember correctly you actually quick kicked three, at least three different times. <laughs> can, you, can you can you reflect on that game and then you, the use of kind of pulling the, the quick kick out of your back pocket there. Um, the quick kick. Say that again. Just well, summarize. Well, what, I, what I refer to as a quick kick, where you know the you you line up like you're going to run a play. Basically, well, what's the question? I know I know what a quick kick is. Yeah, yeah just your reflections right? on. Or, I guess it's not really a question. When was it? Oh seven. Was that the triple overtime game you're talking about? Yeah, I no, we could. no I, that was I think Dr. Phillips the next week. No, there was no, a triple was, overtime uh, game no, at Brantley. Was, yeah, against Brantley week one, I think we quit. When, when Jeremy Gallin and those guys were sophomores. That's right. right, yeah. That was another deal, too. We were running a single wing that game. That was 07. Brantley was a runner-up the previous year. And they were really good, and we were not. We, we had a very young team, and we uh, we lost 42 to nothing and a half to Seabreeze. Sea Seabreeze, right. Mm-hmm. So I threw the single wing out the window. And uh, we put in the flex bone with Jeremy at quarterback in four days of practice and hadn't run it since, like, the previous year. He'd never played quarterback. Jeremy Gallon had never taken a snap under center. And we ended up winning that game in triple overtime. And I remember Jeremy quick kicked several times. But the thing I remember about that game was the single wing actually won the game for us by Brantley running it because Brantley lined up with a single wing on fourth and goal from the one-inch line. And John had a picture in the paper. The ball was like an inch from the goal line. So they ran outside veer. We couldn't geometrically stop them. But they lined up the single wing, snapped the ball four yards deep, and the bad snap. And they fumbled rear cover. We won the game. So it's kind of ironic that we threw the single wing out. They brought it in for a play, and it won the game for us. So that was a great win. We'll open our next break. When we come back, we'll continue to speak with Coach Darlington with John Peary, Joe Ferraro from Porky's Original Barbecue in the heart of downtown Apopka. If you're just joining us, uh, Apopka's new coach was announced. It's in the Apopka Chief today. Coach Jeff Rolson will be the new head coach at Apopka. Uh, we'll be right back. I want to give a shout-out to Dr. Patrick St. Germain, St. Germain Chiropractic in Bird Orlando, and thank them for their support of all of our programs and let you know, of course, they've been voted best chiropractor. Dr. St. Germain has been voted best chiropractor once again in a pocket. We'll be right back. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. 
It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Now, here's Roger. Yeah. Welcome back. And we got a kickoff. Roger Franklin Williams and Badger joining us, coming to you from Porky's. Pleased to be joined by Coach Rick Darlington, by John Perry, the pocket chief and planner, and of course, Joe Ferraro is here. And the whole Porky's gang is here, too. Steve, Heather, Rebecca, and a bunch of the other guys are out here, and gals are putting together a great lunch for us today. It's a great, perfect place to get your weekend started off just right. Porky's Barbecue in the heart of downtown Apopka. And, you know, back to Coach Darlington. Coach, I would like to, uh, you know, we've talked about this, and we were actually talking about the actual offense, nuts and bolts of the offense, how the offense kind of evolved uh, for the 2012 team. But, you know, that was a team that I think obviously very special to all of us, a special group of guys. But it was a team that was coming off a six and five year where we had actually exited the playoffs in the first game. And, um, you know, started off that season one and two. And can you, you talk about, um, you know, just, just, just what was it about that, that particular group of guys? You know, the coaching staff blended with the guys that, that allowed us just to, to turn things around so dramatically and uh, ultimately win the state championship. Well, that was a team that I felt that, you know, you've seen teams go from good to great. But we went from awful to great. You know, I felt that year we started off awful, and not just on the field, but intangibles were awful. We didn't have good chemistry and leadership, and so we started hammering away on that. And then uh, then after we got the leadership to try, we didn't have good followership. So we had a lot of uh, painful moments after practice, counseling, we'll call it, uh, our players <laughs> about how to be good teammates and how to care P- about each other. Yeah, P- Dazzy P- Morris is P- sure P- a little P- about the counseling. Dazzy was counseled often. And so, yeah, that was one. I've never seen a team flip intangibles before. You know, the 2001 team, they lost a game in the middle, but they had good – they knew all along we were going to win the state championship as far as that was the year we were shooting for because we knew we had that special class. You know, so that team really flipped their intangibles, which was a special, special memory. And then, of course, the next year was a you know, very memorable season, too. We set the scoring record for the state of Florida – regular season and playoffs very explosive offense but ironically suffered you know you know dramatic injuries early in the season zach was hurt at the nationally televised game on espn up in south carolina to start the season we lost uh you know at least one or maybe more running backs uh robert thomas wound up you know switching from free safety to to running back and leading uh, the state of florida in rushing and we made it to the state championship game that year, even though we did not win the state championship game. Can you reflect on on that season? Yeah, that was a that was that was one that was kind of strange. Just in like you said, we just brought two defensive players over to play offense. They ended up being great, Robert and JJ Simmons. So that was good. That was tough, you know, because again, we're making a run. And my son, who came, you know, he was a preseason All-American and all that, and he, he didn't get to play, but he was our scout squad quarterback, and he was just the best teammate all the way through. And then in the state game, when we were behind at half, he came up to me with tears in his eyes and said, Dad, I, I can play. We can, we can win. I, I can do this. And he wanted to put on the 12th man gear, you know, the extra gear we carry for games. And, you know, I just couldn't let him do it, you know, but that was what I remember about that one game. So, set a state scoring record. That was awesome. It was a great year. You know, you, you hate to, to lose in the finals, but I guess it's better to lose in the finals than lose in the semis. It hurts more, but down the road you look back and you're proud that you got there. So another special year there. Again, there haven't been any any years that have been very good without some sort of adversity. So that was definitely one. And then, of course, the next year was another a, a special one as well and had its own unique qualities. We won the state championship again in 2014. Of course, we went to the state championship game three years in a row, which is extraordinary and wonderful. Um, but that team, you know, lost some senior guys like Robert Thomas that, that were very important. You know, had some really good guys returning like Chandler Cox, Martez Ivy, and others. But um, you know, wound up, you know, actually went through a six and yeah, six and four season, and then went into the playoffs as a runner-up district runner-up, and once again emerged as the state champion. Can can you talk about how that that team developed over the uh, season and, and, and ultimately won the state championship? Yeah, that was the thing of that year we remember was we lost some games. We lost to Oak Ridge the first game of the year, 
And then we lost three games in October, which was concerning because if you're going to lose, you want to lose early. You don't want to lose late. And we lost three in October. But we didn't lose them because of chemistry. We lost them because we were making just stupid mistakes. You know, against West Orange, we had a couple special teams blunders that killed us. Against American Heritage, same thing. You know, we gave them, I think it was a kickoff return, and we, and then we didn't cover a, uh, a kick. When they kicked to us, we let it roll, and they recovered it. And then the whole debacle of Edgewater and the Hail Mary and all that. So I just told the kids then, we just have to cut out the dumb mistakes. You know, so that was the thing. We, we weren't a bad team. We were just making bad mistakes. So once we stopped making those dumb mistakes, and again, Chandler and Tez that year just kind of grabbed us right before the playoffs and took control and dragged us to a state title. So that was that was special, too, you know, just the, being the only four-loss team to ever win a state title. Until now. Yeah, I was talking to someone about it today. I think it was my son, Wyatt. He said, now, who did Mandarin beat? And I go, they beat Columbus. And he goes, that's the team that we beat in 14. And I go, yeah. He goes, how many losses did Mandarin have? I go, they had four. He goes, we had four. And I go, we're the first team to ever win a state title with four losses. And he goes, and we beat Columbus. So Columbus has lost two state titles of two four-loss teams. I'm going, pretty smart for, for, for a 13-year-old to know all that. Yeah, paying attention, that's for sure. Coach, it's great to see you here again. Joining us once again, you wish you all the best, and thank you for so many wonderful memories. Personally, as just a, a fan and a lifelong Blue Darter and former player, but also, you know, as, as we talked about, for the way that you you really worked hard, and, and you literally, you know, your, your, your byproduct is you built men of, of who who are living and are going to live lives of significance and be great American citizens. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's been a great time. I've loved Apopka. The people, everything about it, it's been great, you know, and uh, looking forward to following the Blue Darters as a fan now, but uh, my heart will always be here, that's for sure. John, you have a closing thought here in the last minute? Oh, I just, I'm looking forward to, to what uh, the future holds for, for both Rick personally and, and professionally in, in Alabama, but also obviously for Apopka here and, and how it will uh, you know, continue to, to, to have a solid program, I'm sure, under Jeff Rolson. And, and uh, you know, it, changes happen. Uh, you live long enough and, and these things happen. So I uh, certainly wish Rick the best and, and with his family. And, and I know it's a it's a good move for his family and, and uh, certainly understand it and, and wish him nothing, nothing but the best, uh, like I say, personally and professionally. And, uh, uh, you know, just understand that uh, they, they may not have as, as much many traffic jams in, in lower Alabama as they do around here, but uh, I'm sure that's something he's looking forward to. But, uh, you know, Popka will continue to, to have a, a solid football program, I'm sure. John, thanks for being here today on the special day. Joe, thanks for your great work. Thanks to Alan in the studio. Thank you, Coach, for being here. It's always, it's always great to have these conversations with you both in off the air, on and off the air. Absolutely. Hopefully they'll continue. Friends, uh, great to thank you for joining We're going to have lunch at Porky's. Please come up and join us. Have a great day. It's Blue Darter Sports Central on 1520 WBZW, your hometown station. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.